Hello, beautiful people. It is Billy Crash with you here on The Last Knock. Your friends in heart since 2013. I am so low tonight. I am so low you can hardly hear me. That's because we're in a quiet place, boys and girls. Yay. We're in a quiet place. Nothing bad happens there unless you're John Krasinski and Emily Blunt and their family. Um, what we're going to do tonight is, uh, as you know, I am truly solo. Uh, Johnny and I have been uh, inundated with work, blah, 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 life, life. And um, we haven't had a chance to really come together to do a show as of late. So Johnny's done a couple of solo episodes. I'm doing mine. This is on A Quiet Place. I'm your host, Billy Crash. And I'm here because I have uh, questions and concerns. As we know, um, the next film, the third in the series by John Krasinski, director, um, also, he co-wrote this with Brian Woods and Scott Beck, so I know they're doing, they're, the three are coming together. This trinity of uh, screenwriting coming together to do the third film, which should be out in 2023, I believe. Uh, the reason I've waited so long to do uh, a show on A Quiet Place is I wanted people to see it, uh, the sequel, um, because uh, I know it has a lot of fans, and um, I... This show is going to be full of spoilers because I have questions. I have questions that must be answered. So, Mr. Krasinski, if you are listening, and I hope you are, and I know you're not, <laughs> it would be great if you could give me a couple of answers because um, I have some issues. And um, the story of Quiet Place is uh, wonderful. And I'm not like I'm not. I don't want you to think I'm coming down on this this movie. I know a lot of people really, really love the franchise, and that's great. And the first movie gave me a few jolts, which was really wonderful. The cinematography is great. You know, the acting, blah, blah, blah. Especially from uh, Millicent Simmons, who plays uh, Reagan Abbott, um, their daughter. She's phenomenal. I can't wait to see her continue to grow and uh, become a phenomenal, you know, Oscar-winning actress. Um, and the first one came out in 2018. And it's really interesting because, you know, this family... Um, it's a post-apocalyptic world, which is great. It's already like hyper dystopian. Um, we just know that there's a little family, blah, blah, blah. They have to be really, really quiet. We don't know what's out there yet. And the one little kid makes a noise and the little kid gets eaten. <laughs> I fucking love it. I love it. That's horror, baby. But as we all know, with like 95% of any horror films that take out a kid, once they take out one kid, they're usually not going to take out another one even though they set this illusion that, ooh, anything can happen. And we know that's really not true. Um, unless, like, people are like, uh, and, and, you know, movies, they hate to kill kids. Children of the Damned got away with it back in the day uh, because um, those weren't kids that were blown up in the school. They were aliens, so they don't count. Kill them! So that's how life works. Um, sort of one kid gets taken away, but Emily Blunt's pregnant, and she's li they're living in this world where there's these creatures that respond to excessive sound or certain sounds, definitely not to normal nature sounds, but if you're running around making noise, talking, whatever, they're going to find you, they are going to eat you, and they move quickly. But the one thing that I noticed right off the bat was um, they're pretty solitary. You know, they're almost like rogue lions or like lone wolves. Um, they're not partnering up. They're not coming in as a horde. It's like one shows up. So apparently they're territorial. And I don't know if John Krasinski thought of this or not. I don't know if that's part of the thing. But, um, and it's really interesting because I really love John Krasinski and I was really happy to see him be a director 
and you know making this movie happen. If you don't know, real quick, um, and I heard it on one of the late night shows, he was talking about how he became an actor, which was really interesting. He gave himself a, like a time frame, and his mom said, "Hey, we're not going to bail you out. You know, you want to do this, you got to go for it." So he's going for it. He's working in New York or something. He's waiting tables. And he reached the point where it's like, Mom, I want to come home. I failed. This isn't working. And uh, she said, son, why don't you give it till the end of the year? Because, you know, just give it to the end of the year. You know, round it out just in case. Ah, okay. And three weeks later, he got called up for the office. He's Jim. Deadpan Jim. Intelligent Jim. Jim gets Pam. Life's good. It's awesome. So I've always liked him. And uh, I think he's fantastic. And... So I did enjoy the movie. I'm not going to tell you what I rated it as. Um, I didn't give it a low rating. Um, but that's not important. The important thing is I have questions, damn it. And one of the things that um, I thought was really interesting, and Johnny's not here to be my safety net tonight, so I better have my shit squared away, is um, a lot of people were really upset with one particular scene, and that was where Emily Blunt's character, um, Evelyn Abbott, and by the way, no Costellos were harmed in the making of this film. Sorry, I know it's friggin' awful, but I don't give a shit. It's the only thing I got. Like I said, I'm working hard. But the cool thing um, was, you know, she's giving birth to uh, their fourth child. Um, they lost one, but um, hey, they're getting a new one. And she's in the bathtub. She's trying to be quiet, you know, and she's in tears. And some people, nobody bought it. A lot of people didn't buy it. They're like, come on. Well, when I was younger um, and I was training to be um, uh, a peace officer, we had to go through first responder training and a large bulk of it was studying how to like deliver kids. Now, I love horror movies. I love all this stuff. You could show me a dozen heads rolling down the street, blood, yay. Birth freaks me out. You know, it's just like this alien parasitic creature coming out of a woman's body. It just blows my mind. So... We had to watch all of these films, and I'm always laughing in the back because they're just that's how I am, and I was always getting in trouble. But um, it was really interesting, you know. Women and women, like, come on, you know, let me know if I'm right here or not. Usually, like, um, you know, first births and stuff are, are, you know, they might be difficult. Body's not accustomed to this thing, you know, exiting the body, even though a woman's body is prepared for it, um, and. So it was really interesting because I remember distinctly this one woman, she was having her fifth baby. She was at home in bed um, with her um, midwife, doula, her whole family around her bed, this naked mother, you know, her whole family all around her. She's smiling and they're like, oh, it should be any minute now because you're so dilated. And, all. and I swear this kid came out of her like he was shooting out of a friggin' water slide. It was insane. And her smile didn't fade nothing. At that point, you know, apparently she was accustomed, used to it. The body knew what to do. The kid apparently knew what to do. And he was like, wee, and he was out. So that one didn't bother me. That one didn't bother me so much. Um, what, what, one of the things that I was really concerned about at this point, since we know that, you know, they're hunkered down, society has collapsed worldwide, you know, uh, people are fighting to survive by not making noise as they fight. Uh, these are creatures you can't attack. You know, you, you can't get leverage on them. And uh, obviously you can't make noise. But I was like, well, what about their food sources? You know, I know they were doing some canning and stuff like that. But I'm like, man, you know, some of our major predators make a lot of friggin' noise. You know, and uh, I, I could see every primate being gone. 
you know, hey, there's a threat, ah, make noise. And, you know, next thing everybody's eating in a troop and stuff, or the Congress, Congress of uh, chimpanzees. And um, so, you know, I know some larger game might survive, like deer and all, but if you're going to hunt a man, you better use a bow. And I don't even know if that's not, you know, quiet enough or not. So I was interested, you know, con concerned about food sources and all. But of course, like other people, it's like, wow, where do these things come from? How things happen and all of that fun stuff. And that's what we got in the second film, um, aptly named A Quiet Place 2. How about that, huh? You didn't think it'd be anything outrageous. And um, what was uh, interesting about that is it starts with uh, Cillian Murphy, one of the great, great, great actors of our time. He is malleable. He plays the part to the hilt without going overboard. He is, he, he occupies the characters, but he's always, he's always, I think, really centered on genre. He, he does comedy, he goes comedy. He does drama, drama, action, action. You know, he's just fantastic. If he's in a movie, TV show, whatever, I want to see it because uh, he's just so fantastic. So he, um, Emmett is his name. He's at the ball game with uh, Lee and Evelyn and that's, you know, John and Emily and their family and they're at a baseball game, blah, blah, blah. And what was really wild, and this is where all the questions really start for me, is it was almost like War of the Worlds, and I mean the original good one, 1953. You know, this like it looks like an asteroid meteor, meteorite, whatever, coming through the sky. And the funny thing is we don't hear a crash land, so we know it's like really far off in the distance. These people are watching the game, and they see this. And it was really weird because where I come from, if that's happening, people aren't oh my gosh, run away. It's like, where's that thing landed? We got to get it. We got to see this thing, you know? So we'd be driving towards it. So everybody's running around to their cars and like within seconds, whatever entity, whatever these friggin' monsters, creatures are, and it's landed, you know, miles upon miles away. Within like a millisecond, it's like right in town, right on top of these people. Eh, so it's like, and if these things are falling, they have to be falling around the globe. Why do we see only one in the sky? And how are these creatures getting here? Because apparently they're not in their own ships. Because like I said, these are lone wolves. They're rogues. They do whatever the hell they want. They're not trying to make connections. They're not trying to enslave humanity. They're just like, hey, this is my little patch of dirt. Someone screamed, I'm going to eat them. And I wait for the next screen. It's like, what the hell's that? So I'm thinking, and I don't know if this is going to happen in the third installment. So John, please, you know, let me know because I know you're listening. Um, like, is there some alien, like, overlord? Is there some, I could see, like, a species more intelligent than this, communicative, skilled, you know, and whatnot, and not just be some rabid carnivore going, all right, send those things down. Let them eat up all the stuff, and then we come down. And whatever's left, we're going to own it, make it our own, shape the world, whatever. So I still don't get it. Like, what are these creatures really? Are they that? Are they just like wild animals that were dumped on a planet, and then a cleanup operation is going to follow? So anyway, people realize real quick, hey, you make a noise, you're going to die. So lo and behold, like 400-plus days later, you know, we're in the heart of uh, A Quiet Place 2. And one of the things um, is interesting is that, um, you know, they have to move from their home. 
the survivors, which is Emily Millicent and uh, Marcus, uh, Noah Jupe, who plays Marcus. And they end up walking into where uh, Cillian Murphy is with his family, but his family's gone. Cillian Murphy dropped the ball, whatever. Things went bad. His family's gone. So, and they get there. They walk all this way. They have barely anything. Emily Blunt has this new baby in a box with an oxygen tank. And and it's funny because Millicent's like the strong one. And Noah Jupe, who's had to live in this bizarro world for 400 days as a kid, is still acting super hyper, freaked out as if this just happened yesterday. And I'm thinking, all right, you saw your father die in the first one. And you escape some things with your sister in this absolutely ludicrous. And one thing I really hated about the first one was the whole silo scene. You know, this uh, the creature's on top. And, you know, it's like the kids are hiding in a, in a silo on, on top of some grain. And a door falls down, but they just get away from it. And it was like um, It was like a Steven Spielberg kind of friggin' little kid thing. Like, oh, the danger, but it, but they're kids. And one kid was killed, so we know nothing's going to happen to them. I hated that friggin' scene. And uh, what I hated even more was this scene. And this is what the whole thing is about, actually, is this element of family. You know, how can you hold on during trying times? So Silly Murphy lost his family. He blew it, whatever. And what happens is... Uh, so Emily Blunt, you know, her character, Evelyn's like, uh, we, we've got nowhere to go. We have to stay. And, and he's like, oh, you're, you have to leave tomorrow. And it's like, what? what? First of all, if he was so bent out of shape about losing his family and all, his wife and his kids, I don't know if many people who would still want to survive. I'm thinking he would have taken himself out. And... This is a second chance for this is a second chance for him. You know, this is like redemption time. Can I save this family? But instead of him saying, you know, Emily, a blue with my family, I'm scared to death. I, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to like lose yours too. They could talk about it. But instead, like, no, get out of here tomorrow. That like that makes just no sense at all um, to write them off. And I and I still don't get why he would be in survival mode when he lost his family. And part of the family element that I really hated in the first one was this one stupid, stupid line. And it didn't matter if it was Emily Blunt's character who said it, even though she did, or John Krasinski. But she said, remember, to um, her husband, Lee, remember to protect the children. What the fuck? We've seen this whole movie where that's exactly what you're both doing. That's exactly what a mother and father are supposed to do. You've done that time and time again. And yeah, you blew it with the first kid. You know, hey, I found a battery. Put it in a little ambulance thing. It's making noise. The thing ate me. Okay, great. But do you really have to remind yourselves of that? Do you really have to say that line? To me, it was insulting. And I was just like, why? It was just not necessary at all. John knew. And as soon as she said the line, you are automatically knew that um, Lee, Lee Abbott was going to die. Because he was going to have to like do something to sacrifice himself to save his children. Um, so I really hated that foreshadowing. It was just it was just awful. So in the second one, the whole thing with the family, blah, blah, blah. You know, can, can we stay together? Can we make it? Um, Marcus Abbott, he's freaked out, little kid and whatnot. And then the daughter, um, who, has, who we know is hearing impaired, 
and that's a huge part of the story. The family can use sign language with each other, and she finds a way to um, create a like a, a sound, a sound that will you know um, make these creatures spaz out so they could be immobilized. Let's say, and she gets this radio signal, and she finds out where it is, and they're playing what Bobby Darren's like you know. Uh, uh, shit, what the hell's the name of it? Down by the sea? Yeah, across the sea somewhere. We know we know the story. But the whole thing like, really ticked me off because lo and behold, you know, she goes out on her own, you know, um, barefoot, you know, trying to like find out where the signal's coming from. She knows it's a radio station on this little island off the coast of where they're at. And, you know, Cillian Murphy, like, you know, he goes after her, you know, to bring her back, you know, to her mom. So again, this is that redemption run, saving somebody. And um, so long story short, they end up on this island and uh, they get, they follow the signal to this radio station and the radio station's playing this over and over again. And what they learn in their little excursion is that, and this is the big thing, these things can't swim, they drown. So if you can, get to an island. But the friggin' idiots at the radio station decided, no, let's be cryptic. Let's make this fun now that humanity's near absolute extinction. Let's just play this stupid song over and over again, 24-7, and let's see if they can figure it out. Instead of just recording a little clip that says, hey, these things can't swim, they will drown, get to an island. Get to some place with water that you could use as protection around yourself. Make a moat quietly, whatever. So that doesn't happen. And, you know, so it's like really stupid. And I, that really pissed me off. So they do that. And um, <laughs> it's just Jamon Hansu's in it. He's great. He's the man on the island. And at one point, um, they realize. Uh, this is really bad. Cillian Murphy and, Mil and Millicent Simmons, they realize, uh, well, Cillian Mur Murphy realizes it, that when their boat landed, they brought another boat that had a creature on it. So now a creature's on the island. So guess what? No one's safe. He's going to eat everybody or she or whatever the hell they are. <clears throat> so they go to the radio station and because she's going to send out this signal that'll like, you know, zap it. That'll make it immobile where people can like rip the shreds out of it. And the interesting thing is, you know, they get into this place and they only close the garage door behind them halfway. Now, we are seasoned horror fans. We automatically know. And I, I could imagine me being seven years old going, hey, how come they're not closing the door? That thing's going to get through and eat the... Oh, and it just did. Like, what the hell, man? It made no sense at all. So that's gone. Um, so he gets ripped up. They have this little, again, escapade going on in a radio station. And uh, she zaps the signal, and this thing becomes immobilized. Her brother stands up to one of them, protecting the baby and protecting himself, and he kills it. And suddenly his fear is gone. It's like, whatever. Um, and he was the only one in the, in the film where I think um, he could have been directed a little bit better. Because everybody's everything's great in this movie. The sound, cinematography, the acting. Although I, I, Emily Blunt isn't like being like to be completely utilized. Like she, she is such great depth, um, but Noah Juke, like his like wide eyes and the fear and the shakiness was just like I don't know a little too much for me. So that's what I want to know. 
I want to know where is this thing going to go? What can possibly be next? Um, because that that's that's the heart of it. it. You know, these creatures, like if they were like stuck in some like ice balls that came, I, it makes no sense to me. And it came worldwide. Again, it's crazy. And again, from what we're seeing here too, in the second one, like the kid, you know, um, uh, Marcus, he takes out, you know, he uses a gun and he takes out this big creature. And I'm like, well, then even the world military, even though they were like making tons of noise doing their stuff, like you think a lot of these would have been taken out. So more coming down that we don't know about? I don't know. But um, Krasinski, Woods, Beck, like you got to like, I don't know, you got to make this stuff really happen in a, in a cool fashion in the third one because uh, uh, I like the first one better than the second. Um, I know a lot of people love both, thought the second one was better and all, but there were just too much, too, too many story quirks that were just pissing me off and um, I couldn't handle it. Um, so on that note, I know it's short and who cares, right? You're lucky you're out of here. But before we do that, I'm doing scream outs, damn it, because I can and I should. And these are people, and I'm taking a sip of coffee now because I've learned. <clears throat> and we all know how I am with this stuff. I'm going to botch it, and I hope not to, but here we go. These are great souls you can follow on Twitter, and I hope you do. Um, I'm going to give you their Twitter handle, tell you a little bit about them, and all that fun stuff. Wine, Dine, and Storytime podcast. This is excellent. This is great. And on Twitter, they are WD Storytime. We share stories on true crime, historical shenanigans, and unexplained mysteries while our amateur chef prepares themed dinners and paired wine. She, her, times three. It's fantastic. Just like, even if, like, listen to the show, but... They also take pictures of what they're e eating, and it kills me every every time I, I like see this stuff. I just want to eat. Um, they're at Linktree, and that's tr.ee forward slash wdst. Fantastic, check it out. The other one, and this one equally fantastic, but without the food, is Drunk Theory. I love this one as well. And as they say, a bunch of idiots getting drunk and talking about conspiracies. Like friggin' a, that's it. DrunkTheory.com, they're out of South Carolina, definitely check them out. The wonderful, engaging, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer savvy, Amy Cotto, she's the TV fanatic girl, and you could find her on Twitter at TV underscore fanatic underscore girl. She's a writer who loves TV and movies. She also loves dogs and horror films too, and you could check out her blog at TV tvfanatic.blog, and also her books, which are also on Amazon.com under Amy Cotto. She's out of New York, and that's cool as hell. Uh, Kay Han, who is that? That's K-A-Y-H-A-H-N-1. Kay Han 1, speaker, artist, author, singer, songwriter, influencer out of L.A., and you could go to jamesrhan.com for a lot more. Another fantastic podcast that I love, ATG Cast, that's Around the Galaxy. Around the Galaxy is the Star Wars podcast talk show featuring the people behind fandom. Zero tolerance for trolls. This show is fantastic, and you have to, you have to watch it. You have to see it. It's, it's just wonderful. Whereas it's on Tatooine, of course, 
because the new Death Star hasn't zapped it yet. And that's at ATGCast.com. R.M. Duchesne, who is Raymond Duchesne II, science fiction, fantasy, and horror reader and writer out of Sacramento. Very potent storyteller. Raymond is just fantastic. And Duchesne, for those at home, is D-U-C-H-E-N-E. Phenomenal stories of his life, his experiences that are uh, gut-wrenching, to say the least. Tommy Doyle, 47. Who is that? As he says, I was a good kid. I got babysat by Laurie Strode till one night Michael Myers came and changed me forever. I won't, st- I won't stop till I stop Michael. Guess what Tommy Doyle loves? <laughs> Tommy Doyle's a horror fanatic, just like the rest of us. Beautiful, wonderful, wonderful soul. Check out his uh, stuff on Twitter. Haro. Who's that? Haro's Reviews. All right, here it is. H-O-R-R-O-S Reviews on Twitter. Welcome to where Haro's House of Horror started. This is where I review movies and have a little horror fun. Evil Masterhind. Evil Mastermind, I did drink my coffee behind PromoteHorror.com. PromoteHorror.com is just absolutely phenomenal. So also go to HorrorsGoryReviews.Blogspot.com. Fantastic all the way around. Justin, and I have to, man, I I can't even begin. Justin is at (laughs) S-R-R-Y-J-C-K. C-H-K-Y-S-B-C-K. Please scream inside your heart out of Texas. Just go to the Twitter and you'll be cool when you realize it. Jenny from the block. Jenny from the block I know loves a quiet place, so I hope she gives me some answers and um, uh, lets me know what she thinks and doesn't want to beat me up. Uh, And that's Gianna350. She loves horror movies, all movies actually, metal, Alcohol, snacks, and fun. And yes, you could call Jenny at 867-5309. If you don't know that joke, that song, Tommy uh, Tommy Two-Tone, um, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, John Saunders, and that's John Saunders 18, musician, film writer, and art lover. Support indie film, and that's exactly what we do. And I'm going to do a quick count to see if I did 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 9, 10. I did 11. So you got lucky number 11 tonight. Those are all wonderful souls you could find on Twitter. You could find me at Crash Palace on Twitter, also at CrashPalaceProductions.com for links to this show, as well as wonderful articles from Amazing Souls, especially Johnny Num, who's, I guess, uh, you could say is our house film critic. He's absolutely phenomenal. And I hope one day somebody hires him for real and gives him real money and he could quit his job and just make a fortune being the next Rex Reed. So that is it. You can also find me at uh, Noir Kink for my uh, alternative crime thriller novels about a guy who fights crime and exploitation in the uh, kink and LGBT communities. And that is it. We love you. Let me know what you think of A Quiet Place because we're not quiet and we don't want you to be. So that's it. And uh, Mr. Krasinski, let me know, man. Let me know what's up with that third script. Because I am concerned. Love you guys. Bye.